periodically and quite frequently in the last eight weeks is I think back to the time of the Spanish flu, even though we know it started in the USA, it's commonly called the Spanish flu. Um, You're not that old. No, no. My great grandparents were alive during that time and my grandparents were young children and babies, toddlers. So my great grandparents had to do multiple lockdowns like we have. They had to wear masks. They had to um, do homeschool with my grandparents, all without technology. They had electricity, but they were all without technology. So they had to do it with pencils and papers. And, And half of my grandparents were in the UK and they were in terrace houses without, and one was in the north, so there was... You know, you didn't get lovely day after day after day, winter days like we've got here, um, Mm. where you can run around outside and go for walks and things. And I just think back to them and I think we are so lucky. We are so lucky in comparison. But it's also been a downfall. That's the rapid transportation of people around the world has actually brought that in and it was identified quite a few years ago that that was our biggest Achilles heel, that if a virus broke out or particular mm. illness broke out somewhere it could spread around the world within 20 hours and whereas the spanish flu took two years to come to australia because our trips were some of the last to be brought home and that yes, they brought it of home course. Yeah. Mm. There we go. so morty we are um i don't know if you heard or not we're all in full lockdown here in sydney and you were in a brief lockdown in orange recently what's yeah. it like sort of having that freedom back again because we that's something we're really really craving for at the moment yeah well uh i'm still in it a few days a week and uh our business is deemed an essential service because we're getting the other businesses all working getting staff working from home effectively so for me it's not been a lot other than traffic's been great and uh council aren't pursuing parking fines in our local area (laughs) So it's, it's, it's not been too bad. Um, nice to get out of the house and go to work. And I guess I'm really lucky in that sense because so many other people are pretty well housebound and having police checking, you know, major roads and stuff. Whereas us, yeah, you know, I think it's only the right. removalist van that gets pulled over nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, they're the biggest carriers of it, aren't they? Well, yes, but I mean, it's it's also seeming to get into jails. I think the local case we've got here was someone who was tested in jail and the next day he was released on parole and it took two days to get his positive COVID test back. By which time oh, he was in northern New South Wales in a Aboriginal community kind of area. I read about area. that. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's that rapid antigen testing, I think, with what Mr. Safety said, you know, that's possibly is what's needed, just regular at-risk people being regularly tested. And, you know, unless it comes back positive, don't proceed. Sorry, negative, don't proceed further. Mm. Yep. 
yeah, for people getting let out on parole now, the judge can say, yep, uh, $10,000 plus a negative uh, COVID test result. Yeah, that, that wouldn't be unreasonable, you know, just at least pending positive testing, then on to the next phase. But we're letting people out into the community, which is something else I popped in the chat. You know, paramedics have to go into these areas and back home. Um, and, you know, they're, they're regularly tested, but we've still got this overlap time frame. Yeah, well, it still takes 24 hours for a saliva test, whereas an antigen test, some of those are coming back in an hour. So people like your ambulance and uh, nurses and all that could have the antigen tests available where you wear the necklace or whatever it is that will pick up the virus in the air and give them an indication that, hey, you may have been exposed to it. Then the uh, people can act on that a bit quickly and get the full-on test, isolate for 14 days or six days to start with to see whether it actually develops or not. Didn't yeah, that's the technology we're learning about. I, I seem to remember at the last lockdown we had last year, we, um, when you had a COVID test, you, you had to isolate until you got a, a, negative. a, a negative. It doesn't yeah, well, seem to be the case. There's different tests, Eddie, they, where they test saliva and you're allowed to keep working because that comes back in 24 hours. If you have a negative result or sorry, test positive to it, you get a call from New South Wales Health to get another test. If it's negative, you don't hear anything back. There's the the big one that goes down your throat, up your nose, tickle your brain, and that one will come back in less than 24 hours at the moment it, um, from staff that are getting it. But it's more accurate. And if you were coming out of a uh, area every three days, you meant to get that tested. But the workplace tends to not let you in until you have the negative result. And then every 48 hours later, you've got to get your next one done. The so. place I go is the velodrome at Bass Hill. Um, it's a drive-through and it's they, they stick the thing up your nose and, and swab the back of your throat. Um, and I, I go in there roughly 11 a.m. I've got the results by about 4 p.m. Yeah, they've oh, really man. spent Amazing. Yeah, it's well, really cool. I went... I've got an appointment on Monday and they won't let me in the door without a negative test um, in the last 72 hours. So I went at 5pm yesterday to Lumia and I got the results at, I think it was 5am this morning. That may not be a COVID thing. It might be just by reputation. It could be. I mean, the reputation of my abrasive personality does precede me. Um, but, um, yeah, so at least I've got the COVID result back. Yeah. Is that why they call you princess? No, they call me princess because I am one. But getting, <laughs> and I have the tiaras to prove it. Getting back to Eddie's original one, um, why do sometimes you have to isolate and some you don't? It's classed as whether you're a close contact or yeah, whether sure. you're a casual contact. Casual contact, I've walked through the supermarket after you did and I haven't actually come in contact with you. Close contact is I've been with you for 10, 15 minutes and you've served me and we've spoken and then you'd probably be a close contact. It's how long and how close you sort of got to that person that New South Wales Health will make that call on. Yeah, I got a, I got a text message from New South Wales Health yesterday to say that um, there was a, a positive case at Aldi in Bankstown and I was there on the same day but not during the same time period. Uh, and then later in the day, I got another one from the same date, from the 2nd of August, saying that there was a positive case from 8am till 
5.50 p.m. So that's obviously an employee. Mm. Yeah, that was a worker. Yeah, so I, I was actually classed then as a close contact or a casual contact and then had to go and have a test, but um, I'd actually had two tests in that period. With prioritisation, I just wonder why that we don't have anyone who's going to come in contact with more than 15 people in a day, why they can't be, you know, pushed forward for vaccination. I mean, the teachers, nurses, police, I imagine most of them are getting their vaccinations now, but there's people slipping through like some teachers who are waiting for months. And yeah, we really need the people who are dealing with bulk um, to... And like even the Aldi staff, you know, if they are properly protected, at least they're going to be able to keep doing their job. It doesn't cover the spread issue, though, does it? But it's sheer numbers. And numbers, how many people can vaccinate, get vaccinated a day? How many doses are available? We've got the doses on on hand now, but the, the more establishments that can actually give it, the better we are. We're getting those numbers up back three months ago there was limited places that you could go you had to book and they were only having a certain amount of people there depending on the size of the venue and so it takes about an hour for you to get the vaccination you go in you answer all the questions again you get tested you get a little sticker then you go through and you wait for the vaccine to be ready you go get vaccinated then you got to sit down for another 20 minutes get your other sticker get a kit kat or a glass of water or whatever they give you and then before you can leave. So it takes an hour and they'll only let 30 people through every hour or 40 people through every hour. So logistically, to get everybody vaccinated yesterday was never going to happen in Australia. It, it takes yeah. time to get these yeah. people through. You got who a do we get? Cat? Yeah, yeah, no, I do anything for Kit You're good working at the wrong location. <laughs> Morty, I'm a TAFE teacher. And I think one of the reasons that we're not at the top of the queue is probably like a lot of other teachers, we're doing everything online at the moment. We're probably going to be online for at least the next two months. Right. I look at the current courses that I'm doing now. I haven't had a face-to-face group since about June. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, what COVID's meant to me is probably my role has not so much been a trainer it's been more so like a counselor because you come across people who you can hear sometimes when they're getting down or either anxious because of the isolation and many of my chats opposed from used to be look help me out with my assignment I'm not too sure it's like well I'm down and I don't know why yeah. you know that, is, that you could really too. see the shift so examinations, HSE examinations, they're in the they're in the news because you yes. they want to do it in a supervised sense. They're in my house, Morty. Do that. I have a seventeen right. year old doing the year twelve oh. at the moment. So, yeah. so are they going to bust at the venue? Are they going to stick them in a sweaty bus together, or are they? Are you going to have to drive into a hot spot to drop them off for their exam? I've got no idea what's going to happen, and and unfortunately, the kids have no idea either, and it, it's really stressing them out. They're um. They're actually taking it really, really badly. If anybody gets back to school, it should be the year 12 kids first and then year 11. They're the, probably the most important. The schoolers yep. are empty, so they can put a kid in each classroom if they have to hmm. uh, or at least get separation happening for them. Give them some normality because yeah, get get them through this and then we can look at the rest of their, the kids. I've got to say, it's the first time any of my kids have complained about not being at school. <laughs> wow. 
the same with same with mine. <laughs> I have to say that. Yeah, well, I must say that the best thing we did was carry out the family plan and got Wonder Boy out of Sydney. Um, we the family plan after last year's lockdown was that if it looks like Sydney was locking down again, we would get him um, to the family on the coast. And we did. My parents did a rescue Byron. run. And sorry? Byron Bay? No, no. <laughs> the, um, my parents did a rescue run, came and got him, took him away before Sydney locked down. And um, he is living with my sister and going to school. He's taking all his stuff to my parents' place each day and doing yeah. online school at their place because she's a school teacher. So she drops him off on the way to her school. And um, he's free and he's got people to play with and he he's missing his friends up here and he's missing his pets and he might even be missing us a bit. Um, but he is free and he is able to do stuff and he's got a quality of life he wouldn't otherwise have living here with two old fogies. Well, being on his own most of the day as well. And being on his own most of the day until mm. the last couple of weeks when I've had to work from home. I'd like to ask this of you guys first and then ask around, like, what are some of the lessons learned from COVID? Like, how do we keep ourselves in a good way during lockdown? What okay. have you found, Princess? What are some of the ways that just keep your well-being in check? Well, I've got a, I've got two ways to answer that because until a couple of weeks ago, I've worked the whole way through because I'm an essential worker. And I'm also the HSR for my work group. You can say hello to the princess's princess. And as HSR, I've been dealing with many and varied issues to do with COVID over the last, ever since it started. A lot of the stuff has been easy fixes, like getting hand sanitizer around, getting sanitary wipes, getting people to wear their masks properly, things like that. But we've got people with some extremely high anxiety. There was one lady who would kick everybody else. We had all the rooms assessed as to how many, as all workplaces did, had the rooms assessed, how many people are allowed to be in each room with the social distancing. Um, we had one person who insisted on kicking everybody else out of the kitchen so she alone could make her lunch. She was... She couldn't get through a head that we were entitled to be in there. We weren't overloading the airspace. We were all behaving, doing everything right. That's one thing. So we do that. We've got a very tight COVID protocol when we come home of an afternoon or when we've been out anywhere, like down groceries, to get some groceries. We shoes off at the door, have complete strip and shower, wash your hair, everything, clean everything on. So sounds like structure is very important to maintaining yourself too. It is. It is. I need a plan. I need structure. Mm. That's what I need as a person. So mm -hmm. that's it. Our stuff that we take out, our work things, unless they're completely sanitised, there is one spot in the house where they sit and they don't move because we don't want it spread. My coats for work, because I've got to wear grown-up clothes at work, they are hanging up outside. I do not have them in the wardrobe until they are dry cleaned. I can't risk it. You can't risk it. You don't know where it is. 
you can't risk having it there. Mrs. Pema, lessons learned. What do you think is the best way to maintain well-being during lockdown? I have no structure, so I'm complete opposite. I've been waiting my whole life for something like this to happen. I've I've been working 30 years non-stop, working with the public every single day, and so, so it's been good to get rid of them. It's it's nice to just be at home. Um, I could, you know, if bludging was an Olympic sport, you know, be bringing that gold home for Australia. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, when I'm at work, it's, you know, busy, busy, busy. It's like a nightclub. You're constantly chatting and talking. And then when I come home, I just like to do nothing, switch off. And so to mm. be able to now do this long term, get all those things that you wish you had time to do, time is, you know, our biggest constraint sometimes we just I'll do that when I have time I'll do that when I have time we never have time Mm -hmm. Um, busy you know running business having family so I've caught up on all my life admin sorted stuff out I moved house just at the beginning of lockdown so that was it's not tricky but I so need to go to Kmart (laughs) Um, as far as you know lessons learned or whatever I suppose you realize that Everyone is on their own journey with this. You know, it's brought a lot of anxiety out in people that perhaps didn't have anxiety before or because we've never experienced these sort of things. You have learned who your friends are and and who aren't. Um, maybe you've cut some people off because they've either got different opinions or just too outspoken or... But I think it's... Also, it's brought us actually to get closer together as a family because we're so busy doing sport and school and work and here and we can actually, you know, have great UNO competitions every day and just, yeah, being together as a family without necessarily just being busy, busy and on technology all the time. I think I've made a conscious decision not for all of us to be online you know, on our phones or, you know, Xbox. You know, we're actually doing a lot more family things, cooking meals. But also, you know, not putting up with uh, people's bullshit either. I think I've filtered a lot of people's bullshit out and just won't tolerate that and don't need that in my life anymore. So that's been, maybe that's being in your 40s. Maybe that has has sorted that out, but uh, yeah. But overall, really enjoying it. Thanks. A lot of us don't remember that. (laughs) Morty doesn't know about it because he's yet to reach his forties. Eddie, what would you say are the lessons learnt? How do you maintain your well-being? Lessons learnt. Look, I didn't realise how hard homeschooling was. And, and yeah. the, the toll that it actually takes on the kids, not so much the, the parents but the kids, because I'm basically at home most of the time now. Um, I'll go out and do uh, – I've got a couple of strata jobs that I have to keep going, but um, residential stuff has pretty much dried up. Um, so I'm doing like two main jobs a week and then I'll go and do some Amazon deliveries occasionally, just stuff like that to, to keep – keep the ticking over. Mary Ann is at work full time. 
And yeah, just the, the, the toll that this online schooling takes on the kids. It's just, um, everyone says it, it's hard, but I didn't realise how hard it was, particularly having a 17-year-old that's doing the HSC. They just, they lose motivation. They lose all sense of time. I mean, I noticed one of your questions here was about 11am, where 11am people are now running to see the, the morning press conference from Gladys and and, Leanne, and um, Brad Hazard each day. It's just it's just like a totally different world that we're living in at the moment. And yeah, look, there are positives, uh, but there's a lot of negatives. I, I'm a, I'm enjoying enjoying being at home too, like getting to do some of the stuff that I've never had time to do too. So yeah, we're smashing a lot of um, TV series on on Netflix and <laughs> and um, wow, I've never watched so much television in my life. We we try to do stuff that involves the whole family like we had the monopoly board out the other night um stuff like that no black eyes no 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 black eyes um has your marianne still not learned that you do not play you at monopoly i can't see the problem i enjoy monopoly i know you enjoy monopoly an awful lot i want my soul back Yeah, look, I think you've just got to take take wind of the fact that being confined, you're going to feel differently about things than, than you normally feel. And you're going to have feelings and, and anxieties and, and things that are not normally part of your everyday uh, life. Like I I'm, I'm miss face-to-face contact with customers because I'm, I basically work one-on-one with customers. I'm, I'm at their houses and... That's one thing I really miss. But the, the positives are you're spending a lot more family time and you at, at this stage where you, I've got a 17-year-old that, you know, practically out the door, it's kind of a, a treat to be given this opportunity to, to spend so much time with them at this stage. This quarantine's got to have to end up before we can get him out the door. You'll never yeah. find somewhere. <laughs> You know what? When this very at the very very start of COVID, your Marianne Eddie said to me, "We've got ten years of this. Strap yourself in." Wow! And and I think she is close to the money. By yeah. the time we get the whole world vaccinated, by the time um, various variants mutations happen and don't happen by the time vaccines get adjusted vaccines get topped up in people by the time that the virus becomes less virulent i think she's absolutely bang on the money certainly doesn't look like we're going to see an end to it anytime soon particularly like the way the, the numbers are going at christmas yeah <laughs> i'd like to see wonder boy that'd be really nice yeah uh, hmm. What about you, Sid? In terms of spending more time with family, I agree with what everyone said there. Um, sometimes it's watching TV shows together. I even like how sometimes we can all be in the lounge room doing our own individual things, but we're actually together. And I'm just enjoying that more time. 
I think really early on, I thought for me, I had to really get that balance between getting my physical health right and the mental health right. So I'm making sure that apart from work, I've got some challenges with some of the study I'm doing, but I'm doing like regular yoga, exercising a lot at home because I find that makes me feel better overall. Spending some time helping Sid Jr. with his homework has helped me to identify more his strengths and weaknesses. And there's some things that I found out that's like I need to work with him a little bit more on. And that's that's been really good because we developed a more closer bond. I like our family outings just to the local park, just to get out. We all do that as a group. And we're probably doing that more so than what we did before. And I think just accepting that sometimes the ups and downs and isolation are just normal and you just got to accept that and it's an unusual time. Yeah, probably a greater acceptance of that it's not normative has probably been the best relief. People are going to feel anxious. People are going to feel down. Just got to roll with it. Absolutely. Yeah, change is the hardest thing for people to accept. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, determined to learn how Google Classroom works. Oh, it's such a hodgepodge of oh. nothing. It's just shit everywhere. And um, the fact that teachers can upload work in about four different places. Oh, well, not, there's no, there's no central location well, where that's you it. There's school stream, there's Canvas, there's Google, there's all the different learning platforms. Oh. There's Moodle, there's OneDrive. Oh. It's just crazy. Mm. No at, consistency. At our kids' school last year during the lockdown, once the teachers got a handle on Google Classroom, some of them got experimental and were going to other programs and things. And I think the parents mutinied. And because after that, it was only on Google Classroom mm-hmm. um, because the parents just went, are you kidding us? Well, you know, I've, I've got unmotivated kids and um, it was really hard to even support them in working out or where are we up to? What have you done today? What's required? When are these things due? Where's the class material? Oh, here's and, a question. Here's, here's an exam or something. It's like, well, they, where's the reference material? How do we tie it together? Yeah. Well, and they're not in lockdown. Well, uh, I guess I'm ref- re- reflecting on when they were, but even oh, now okay. there's still yeah. so much that is staying online in preparation for. Yeah. I think it yeah. was a tough learning curve for the teachers to actually work oh, out yeah. that they've got to put their briefcase up in the cloud yeah. and they can't just rock into class on Monday morning and start teaching. It's all. It's an incredibly pre-done. difficult transition for the teachers. But yeah. You know, just simple things. You know, I'd like a, a proactive email saying what's due and when it's due rather than at the end of the week going missing, 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 missing. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Every school's different though and part of my yeah. IT work is for a, a local school and their learning platform is different. Um, but the parents suddenly need to be as tech savvy as the kids do as far as accessing those learning resources and then working in that environment. So that's been the hardest thing for me being a techie is even understanding where the kids are meant to be working in these platforms. So And it's, it's, it's got tough. so much potential. It's such a good idea. And if it's used properly, it's an amazingly good resource, but you just yep. can't learn it overnight and trying to figure out what the kids have got due when and and what assignments are where and they they play on it like the kids actually play in it they'll say oh no i'm okay i've got nothing due this week and then the end of the week 
the emails come in with what is yeah. missing. Oh yeah. my god, that's right. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah. yeah, Wonder Boy's got dyslexia, so he's got some reading and comprehension issues, mm. and the reading and comprehension load on of online learning has been tremendously and is tremendously difficult for him. Yeah. Um, but um, one of the things is I've got access to his Google Classroom, so I'm going in every week and finding stuff that's missing and finding where everything is and giving him, the family down the coast, a rundown of where yeah. things are at. It's you no can work it out. It. It's just it's incredibly time-consuming. It time. And then times and, that by three children. Mm. And don't some teachers flourish in that medium? I mean, some of the ones at the school that are recording their sessions and recording their lessons, that's a visual, that's a rich media resource for years to come Mm. with consistent delivery of educational Mm. content. The ones who can adapt and create these things, it'll be like going to, you know, the the old filing cabinet and pulling out what lesson is for the third week of February. You know, they'll have these things that will be able to be rejigged and and wheeled out whenever you need to. But the older teachers, I feel, struggle Mm. to even use the electronic whiteboards. I mean, in some schools, they're a dinosaur. They're just a whiteboard. Um, because the materials to go on there and to be an interactive presentation and a way of assessing learning, it's been, yeah, it's full of holes. Yeah, I say that in the last, say, two years, probably my online competency has just gone through the roof compared to what it used to be. And that's only because you want to stay. If you don't want to stay, you just don't do it and then you leave. Uh, It's a little bit more than that because. I still enjoy my job. I still enjoy teaching and I want it to be the learning to be meaningful. So when I'm, my preference was face to face when that's not going to happen, I've got to learn to adapt it into this environment. Yeah. You're the gold standard. Sorry, pardon. You're the gold standard there. That's great. (laughs) But I'm constantly reviewing and asking questions about like, what don't I know? What can I do better? Because I just want that learning experience to be good for the learner at the end of the day. They're the ones who've got to take the skill set that I'm giving them and use it somewhere else. Well, a lot of professional development was needed, and that's probably what's Mm. lacking, just investing in the teachers to move to these platforms. So I look forward to that. But the good thing about it is they can identify who are the really good teachers or fantastic teachers that are engaging. And instead of teaching a class of 30, then they can teach a class of a thousand or more with the support of the other teachers. Yeah. Why can't why can't they bring all the this one teacher into everybody else's classroom? And get rid of the rest. Use the resource. Well, you're not going to be able to get rid of the rest, but they're going to have to be able to support the smaller groups. So it, it starts to become another conversation because then online becomes almost like a lecture format when you're getting big numbers as opposed to an interactive format. Totally. And I think to have a good lecturer and then to have like the counsellor lecture yeah. a person that you can go to with the questions and get that support whether it's emotional support Sid as you've suggested or yeah. straight assessment based I mean that's a different kind of personality to the one that just presents well so yeah people finding their niches I think is what we are kind of learning through all these yeah. lockdowns. That one- it is it is a support and a professional development type issue but I think having one teacher who could teach like a thousand students at one go it's just a model I don't think that's going to work in practice. 
just because of that lack of support and the interactivity that you do need to make learning happen because learning's not a passive thing, it's an active thing. So what would be the maximum as far as, you know, electronically putting your hand uh, up or, or putting stuff in the side chat? i got to admit, if I'm doing something that's teaching and learning, I like to keep the groups to around probably tops about 20, 25. If I'm doing something and I've done this where it's more of like, okay, guys, this is more of an announcement. This is more like a toolbox meeting and I'm just going to tell you the lay of the land. Well, that can be a lot bigger size. So you're but, talking about uh, live. You're not talking about recorded uh, I'm talking synchronous, not asynchronous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, just to clarify that, synchronous learning. You've got a a maths teacher that really engages the students and presents Mm -hmm. um, how you do algebra fantastically Mm -hmm. across everything. Then you've got your your local teachers that have their groups of 20 to 30 that then support the the students um, in working through that and um, supporting the ones that don't understand, answering their questions. Mm -hmm. It's the the teacher that engages and uh, stimulates and wants uh, engages Mm -hmm. with students wanting them to learn. What, so they want to learn. That sounds like a tiered system, which sounds really good. Like lectures and tutorials. Mm. For more uni-based. Yeah. yeah. But the, the funny thing about doing a more like uni-based kind of thinking with kids is it's relying on them to be uh, self-directed with their own learning and kids don't usually have that capacity until they hit their mid to late teens. Or thirties, but, but that's but that's what we're asking them to, to do at the moment with this um, exactly. remote learning, and that's yeah. where the, that's where the gap is. Like we're asking to be self-directed, mature adult learners, and you're dealing with ten and twelve-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the gap right there. So they have to learn some strategies about how they learn. Whilst they're at school, teachers are giving them the structure and how to learn. Yeah, so they're thrusting they're really changing things straight away. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but they're putting them into VET courses in year nine. So, you know, it's it's coming down where we're requiring to be more self-directed earlier, aren't we, Sid? Uh, well, that's where I'm agreeing with you with that self-directedness. When you say year nine, I was saying about middle teens, that's about right. Yeah, okay. Uh, and some of them can start, I start to see that change around that time where, you know, some kids can really adapt well with that self-directed learning around that age and, as you said, some of them don't get that until their 30s. But so what do we do with the teenagers that don't? I mean, you can't, they all tab between applications and you can't see what's Minecraft and what's Roblox and what's Canvas. You know, how do we better work with the kids? Is it going to a, a small performance-based kind of thing or say we want half an hour of dedicated, concentrated work? How do we help them as parents? Um, blackmail. Um, Wonder, Wonder Boy got um, sprung playing. Um, um, he was on Discord with his mates when he should have been doing schoolwork. He got oh, sprung yeah. by my sister. She turned up, and so she is now riding him like a rodeo bull, <laughs> and and making sure that everything's up to date and all the rest of it. And then my mother took a different tack and went, "Do you want to go down the snow again?" Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to go down the snow again, he says. And she said, well, do you think they'll take you down the snow again if your schoolwork's not up to date? Anyway, oh. So motivation, bribery, okay. whatever. There's a certain whatever amount of bargaining that goes on, yes. Yeah. It's more like, the, um, you know, get your assignments in on time, then you can play some games. 
It's that sort I of thing. I got my whole degree by bribing myself. Every yeah. essay I turned in, I took myself to the movies. Mm-hmm. It, it works. Look at me now. Well, yeah, the kids again. work. The kids celebrate. We would celebrate the kids with taking them down to the milk bar if they got a merit award for some mm. trivial yeah. trivial reason, and they were keen for merit awards, even though the school didn't. I mean, I think we made a bigger deal than the school did about them, but they were going for it, and we take the other boys with them. So it wasn't just a treat for them. It was like there was a bit of a group thing. I don't know how we do that with online stuff. Yeah, mm. I, I miss well, milk bars. I got a bit more That's a superb thing that you're doing because obviously realising that's like from a parent's point of view, like, you know, this is being acknowledged. We are paying attention. This is a top job. That means a lot. Probably the only other thing I'd add to it apart from the incentives is just learning, teaching them how to be adaptable Hmm. and resilient, which is we have to learn how to be resilient. We have to learn how to adapt. I mean, we've just really got no choice. Well, yeah. this whole experience is teaching us all that. Absolutely. Just, just imagine and in 20 years' time, if something comes up, there's going to be a generation that can just turn on a dime and head in a different direction as life or um, the universe dictates. And in Australia, they'll be turning on a 20-cent coin. It's been interesting talking about COVID, just the different impacts on how it's been on our lives, how it's applied yeah. in our workplace, and also to have someone coming from like a health and safety point of view as well, referring to Mr. Safety. So certainly appreciate uh, you coming on board for the podcast because I think this has been your first podcast with us, yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it won't and be your I'm last. Taking, and I was about to say, uh, I'm not too sure if you want to come back. <laughs> I'll have to do a safety uh, risk assessment on that. It's good to have <laughs> at least one adult on, hey? <laughs> So I I just want to say to uh, everybody who's attended today, look, we much appreciate this. We'd like to thank our one listener, of of course, because you're the person whom we do that for, whomever you are, and you keep on remaining anonymous. Eddie, how can they contact us so they're no longer that anonymous one listener? That's right. If they want to contact us, they can go to our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com slash podnoname, or they can drop us an email at podnoname at gmail.com. And if we get a chance, we'll try and answer that for you. And uh, I checked the email box actually two hours before we started, and yeah. I was still zero. Impressed. I was impressed with the consistency of it. Yes. <laughs> Yes, the feedback has been rather consistent over our entire podcasting career, Sid. Look, Graham, as he's in absentia today, but we do know that Graham is waiting with bated breath, with his hands poised at the keyboard, ready to answer any emails that come in. <laughs> yes. And no wonder he's so relaxed. The burden hasn't been too heavy on him, has it? No, definitely not. But the anticipation's killing him. (laughs) 